today on Edge Effects. And that's really what I care about is them just understanding how these ecological systems work, where their food comes from, and like how they fit into this space and knowing that they do fit into this space. Ground Truth, Stories from Wisconsin's Front Lines of Environmental Action is a six-episode series that highlights environmental justice issues across the diverse communities and landscapes of Wisconsin, from Milwaukee to the Northwoods. In this episode, we speak to Sarah Carlson, Paul Huber, and Ruthanna Hutton-Obleke about community agricultural programs in Dane County. I'm Claire Sullivan. I'm Carly Gitrich. And I'm Ben Uliano. It's late summer in Wisconsin, which marks the peak of harvest season for farmers and gardeners across the state. Enjoying a juicy homegrown tomato or an ear of freshly picked sweet corn are some cherished seasonal activities. But having access to the knowledge, land, and other resources required to experience these summer delights isn't a guarantee. For many communities throughout the United States history and present, their ability to grow food has been obstructed. Wisconsin has awful statistics for (laughs) BIPOC individuals in agriculture. Mm -hmm. And particularly with black farmers, there's less than 1% of farmers in Wisconsin are black. That's Ruthanna Hutton-Oblake. She works at the Madison nonprofit Urban Triage as the coordinator for a program called Supporting Healthy Black Agriculture. This program is one example of a variety of initiatives happening across Dane County to provide education, skills, and growing space to underserved populations, particularly in Black, low-income, and immigrant communities. We are really committed to doing the ongoing work that it takes to dismantle racism in the food system, in our communities, and in our own organization. And so we really take intentional steps to invest in the learning and unlearning that needs to happen to make that possible. Sarah Carlson is the Education Director for Rooted, another Madison nonprofit that runs a variety of gardening programs in neighborhoods across the city. For organizations like Rooted and Urban Triage, healthy agriculture and food systems are intertwined with racial, environmental, and educational justice. In this episode of Ground Truths, we speak with members of these organizations to learn how they're helping build better food systems in the greater Madison community. First, Ben and Ruthanna will tell us more about Urban Triage and their Supporting Healthy Black Agriculture Program, or SHBA for short. Then, Carly and I interview Sarah and other Rooted staff members about some of their flagship programs. On a Saturday morning in July, I took a drive 20 minutes outside of Madison toward Verona, Wisconsin. I turned down a dirt road toward the Farley Center, a nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting ecological sustainability, social justice, and peace. The landscape here is covered with woodland, meadows, and organic farm fields. The Farley Center hosts Urban Triage's Supporting Healthy Black Agriculture program, and I came to join their weekly Saturday morning class and talk to the program lead. My name is Ruthanna Hutton-Oblake. I am the agriculture program lead at Urban Triage. I came to this position after doing laboratory work for a couple of years. So um, a couple years back, I was in the Peace Corps and I was working as an agriculture extension agent. And I studied biology and chemistry in undergrad. And really, I I loved it. Um, 
I had worked in a couple labs right after school, but then shortly after that, I joined the Peace Corps and left for Cameroon, which is in Central Africa. That was the first time I was really working with farmers outside of like a seed company or something like that. So I really, I really loved working with them and it was very collaborative. It was mostly them being like, these are the issues I'm having. Like, how can we work to, together to find solutions? The actual Cameroonian agricultural extension agents were the ones who taught the Peace Corps volunteers us and sent us to more remote villages where mm. like they probably wouldn't have the reach to. So that's kind of how we were dispersed throughout there. And so I loved that experience so much. It was like the first time I really felt like I loved the work I was doing. Like laboratory jobs, like they're very systematic. You kind of run the same tests every day, you do the same procedures. And it was, it was fine. It was like mm -hmm. peaceful, but it definitely was not like work that I loved. So when I came back to the United States after Peace Corps, I was kind of thinking about what I wanted to do. And so I kind of started back into what I had done before, which was working in laboratories. Mm -hmm. And again, I was kind of, <laughs> it was peaceful, it was fine, it was routine, but I didn't really love the work. So mm -hmm. when I saw that there was an opening to work within the community of Madison, supporting people and gaining access to agricultural spaces, I jumped on it and I was very persistent. I think I I emailed about it. I sent in my resume. I didn't hear something right away. I was emailing them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I called them. And then when I finally got the interview, it, it went well. So yeah, it was great. And cool. I've loved, I loved it since then. And it is such a new program. It truly was started in the backyard of our CEO with the first season being last year. So we've expanded drastically from like her tiny backyard to a half acre pod that we have now. Urban Triage was started by CEO Brandy Grayson following the murder of George Floyd in 2020. The organization is committed to supporting black families through transformative justice and education. Like she started out protesting. She was like an organizer and was really involved in the community that way. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to expand and give more people in the community a voice mm -hmm. to express themselves and support them in like the struggles that the community is facing. And so that's how she started Urban Triage, just by seeing the needs of the community that weren't being met and just directly meeting them. So Urban Triage has programs like rental assistance that support people affected by COVID and making sure their rent is getting paid every month. They have unhoused neighbors where they help individuals who are in need of housing find those resources. And I believe in this last year, they permanently housed like over 200 families. Wow. So they really have so much going on. And Urban Triage is focused support for the Black community. So we really center their experiences and work from there, understanding that racism and white supremacy affects all systems, including agriculture. And BIPOC communities are largely affected by things like food deserts and lacking access to get to places like grocery stores. So this was in response to that. At one point in history, 14% of farmers were black and owned a significant amount of land in the United States. And since then, they are less than 2% of farmers. I believe it's like 1.3%. So yeah. they've drastically declined. And there are reasons for that. And it's discrimination, governmental discrimination, societal discrimination.
Disparities like these inspired the creation of the SHBA program, which involves a 12-week course where Black families learn the basics of growing their own food, along with the history and context of our current food system. We do talk about those things in this class, um, but we're also working with young kids, so we also want them to understand the history, which can be hard for them to grapple with, but also give them like this space to just have fun and experience nature and growing food and like just running around and screaming around the field is fine too. Yeah, yeah. And I observed plenty of joyful running and screaming around the field. The first few hours of each class are spent tending to the garden, planting, weeding, harvesting, and any other tasks that need to get done. On the day I visited, we harvested beets. Oh, so our beets are ready. We're gonna harvest our beets today. Woohoo! Yay, okay, beets! Harvesting the beets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, is this a big one that you like? Oh. Is that big enough? I think that's big enough. Yeah. <laughs> I like a big, juicy beet. From one participant, we learned we could harvest and eat pumpkin leaves. So, is this a. Um, zucchini. Zucchini, oh. Do you spy any zucchinis in there? There's some really big ones. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. The leaves are almost like pumpkin leaves. Yeah. So back home we eat this, but I don't know if it's zucchini or pumpkin. We eat the pumpkin. We do, but yeah, it's so, pumpkin. So you have to take it and then remove this. Oh, cool. The fibers. Like oh, yeah. And then, my God, this is so We delicious. also saw a diversity of wildlife in the garden. The kids participating were particularly excited about a frog that I picked up in the cucumber patch. Is that a frog? Yeah, oh! Look at that! Wow. Isn't it cute? He's cute. Give me It's a frog. Can I see? Do you want to hold it? There's kind of a... Alright, he's going to probably jump right out of your hand, but you can try. After garden time, participants gather in the pack shed to wash their freshly harvested veggies, eat lunch, and learn about the food system. How do you go about deciding what you're going to talk about at those lunch times, and sure. what are some of the topics that you've covered? Yeah, so we cover a broad range of things because, like most of these kids are BIPOC, we cover the history of those individuals in agriculture. Because we want them to understand the reason why they don't see other people like them working in agriculture, running the farms, that sort of thing. So we cover history. I did a lot of research at the very beginning, and I think my whole first two months here, I was just doing research Mm -hmm. and coming up with the curriculum for the class. So it's history. We cover where agriculture is today. We talk about careers in agriculture because a lot of them just don't have, like, they're from Madison for the most part and don't know about a lot of careers in agriculture. They're like a farmer is like the Mm -hmm. response I usually get. Mm -hmm. But just letting them know that it is so much broader and deeper than that. I think it's just like opening, just opening their minds a bit to the possibilities of other things. So we talk about careers. And then we also talk about, we haven't got there yet, but we're going to talk about how you can transfer your agricultural interest into a career or a business, how you can sustain it, whether you decided to do it organically or not, and kind of like 
why we do things organically and why sometimes we don't. Like, mm-hmm. we want them to have a full understanding. We're not trying to tell them, like, there's one way to do things. For sure. Um, but just give them, like, a broad spectrum of an area that they don't have a lot of exposure to. For Ruthanna, the education that the kids get both inside and outside of the classroom is important environmental justice work. We talk about the flaws in the system that we have, knowing that, like, we can't feed it the entirety of our community on this little half acre of organic farming, but showing that we can do it intensively and following practices that do put a focus on environmental balance. We're showing them the steps to transition and show that there are ways you can improve systems that are already here and reduce their detrimental impacts on the environment around them and so those kids will know that and you know Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that it's just gonna inspire critical thinking like I don't even have to say that it inspires they do it themselves the kids out there I was really impressed with a lot of the comments they were making today (laughs) (laughs) and they just blow me away every class so they really take to it and they really care they love they love this space that they're in out here Mm -hmm. and I believe that in the future they'll also want to protect it and find better ways to live within it. For more advanced farmers and food entrepreneurs, Urban Triage also runs a parallel program for farm business development. So people can complete this program and get as intensive into this program as they like. This is like the first step. It's just getting you out here, comfortable Mm -hmm. in this space with the tools and the steps to just grow something. It's, it's very mm-hmm. simple at its core and letting them expand from there. So like if a farmer here or a participant was interested in pursuing agriculture, whether it be cut flowers or vegetables, we would help them figure out how to get licensed, how to find other resources like the Farm Service Agency and the Small Business Development Center. Like we're building relationships with those organizations so that they can pursue these things and not feel like they have to wait or that there's like going to be a right time later. Like we're going to help them get there now if that's what they want to do. And we also want to support the existing black farmers that are already in Wisconsin. And the statistics on just like the amount of money a white farmer makes compared to a black farmer is like shocking. I believe it's like the annual income is like if it's 17,000 for like a white farmer, it's about 2000 for a black farmer. So they're struggling and like we want them to be profitable, to build wealth, to expand their businesses. And we know be, if you're a farmer, you're busy. <laughs> like we know you don't have a lot of time. So we offer services like putting them in contact with Small Business Development Center, the Farm Service Agency. When they find the grants that they can apply for, we'll help them finish the grants. We'll help them find a program that will give them additional training that will help them expand their business or their infrastructure. And we'll stay with them the entire time until they feel comfortable where they're at or if they want to keep growing, we'll stay with them the whole time and support them in any way that we can. I also asked Ruthanna about what challenges Urban Triage has faced in running the SHBA program this year. Challenges. Certainly there have been challenges. I mean, for the most part, it is me and my coworker Megan who are managing the the garden along with the help of volunteers. So 
initially that was very difficult just getting started and then also transportation so because not many people initially knew about this program it was kind of a snowballing effect of people hearing about it signing up for it so it seemed like no one was going to sign up at the very beginning and we were like a month out and I was like I still have like 10 spots available (laughs) and I I wasn't even sure they would get filled but the word of mouth I think actually got us a lot of people so cool and then we are outside of Madison which does create a barrier to entry in that we don't have the capacity to transport all of our participants and Mm -hmm. we really are working hard to make this program accessible to anyone so we really are raising the funds so that we can figure out like a bus or something to get everyone out here on a weekly basis because it does require a vehicle at the moment for most people and that is a huge barrier to entry for a lot of people so we transport those who we can but we don't have a huge capacity at this moment so that so that is the thing that hurts me the most (laughs) I think because there are people who would like to do it who we're not able to get out here yet but I think we're working really hard at making it more accessible every day. Ultimately, Ruthanna believes that partnering with the Farley Center to host the SHBA program outside of downtown Madison has been a very worthwhile endeavor. When I started, the location was still Brandy's backyard, and she kind of really gave me the space to kind of see what I could do, like Mm -hmm. kind of really structure things how I thought it could best support the community members who would be participating. So I started looking for larger spaces and like space is a <laughs> commodity in Madison. Like we have a lot of nice parks and stuff, but places where you can garden, it can be harder to find space at. And I wanted to let as many people who want to participate in the program be able to. So I, I was looking for a larger space. And so in that process, through other organizations like Rooted, I heard about the Farley Center and I just emailed them, called them up, and we scheduled a time and we talked about the program Urban Triage was trying to expand, and they got right on board with it and have been so supportive. And I really wanted the kids to have access and see other farmers farming here and be able to see themselves kind of doing it too and just have this vast green space where they can just be themselves and have fun. And mm-hmm. yeah. so Definitely and, seemed like that was happening yeah, today. And <laughs> definitely, and that's so much of every class and like that is really the point for me to just like let them be curious let them Mm -hmm. like scream at frogs if they want to or spit out a a pee if they decide they hate it but (laughs) but just letting them have build those like these memories and this sensation of being out in nature and growing food and just it being normal for them that's what I want once you've experienced something it seems possible And I think when you don't, when you've never experienced something, it can really seem unattainable. So if they can just get that reference point, then I think they can go anywhere from here. And that's really what I care about is them just understanding how these ecological systems work, where their food comes from, and like how they fit into this space and knowing that they do fit into this space. As Ruthanna alluded, agriculture and food justice organizations in Dane County often overlap and collaborate. For example, Urban Triage hosts their programming at the Farley Center, a space that was recommended by Rooted. 
Rooted itself is a collaboration between two previously separate organizations, Community Groundworks and the Center for Resilient Cities. Here's Rooted's Education Director, Sarah Carlson, explaining the history of the organization and her roles in it. One thing that we're still kind of getting the word out into the community that we're a newly merged organization. So one thing we lift up is that Rooted is a merger of two community organizations, the Center for Resilient Cities, which operated and managed the Badger Rock Center and also uh, managed a number of projects in Milwaukee. And then Community Groundworks was the organization on the primarily uh, based on the north side, but also the east side. And that's another urban farming education organization. And we merged into one entity called Rooted. And my title is the Badger Rock Farm and Education Manager here at the Badger Rock Center. And I am also the Education Director for Rooted as a whole. Basically, we are all about food and education and land. So these two organizations, it was a really natural merger um, because we were both doing urban farming and education in different parts of town. So it made a lot of sense for us to merge into one entity together. So our mission is collaborations rooted in food, land, and learning. We also made a commitment as an organization to center our work in racial equity. So we've been doing a lot of work within our organization to move along on that lifelong journey of creating an organization that's based in racial equity in our communities. So we have a number of different programs all throughout Madison. I should say, too, that our main urban farming sites are also healthy food access improvement sites in Madison. If you go way back, Madison has a history of redlining. And what that means is lenders would strategically not give loans in neighborhoods that were primarily BIPOC or lower income neighborhoods. So what happened is Madison was built up around these zones and you can still see the repercussions of redlining today. The redline neighborhoods from way back then are also the most diverse neighborhoods in Madison, the north side, the south side, parts of the east side. And those are the places where our three main urban farming sites are also located. And now those three parts of town are also designated as healthy food access improvement areas. So these are the physical locations where our main urban farming sites are. And a huge part of our work is building relationships within the communities where we work so that we can be grounded in those communities and providing at our sites what those communities surrounding those sites would like us to offer. Um, so we really strive to be community-led and community-centered uh, as much as possible in our work. And it is an ongoing process. It's, it's not something we'll ever be done with. The building relationships and pivoting and changing and being responsive to our community is really a lifelong journey. We have a number of different kind of aspects that we address through our work. We think about healthy food access. So we provide produce, both for sale at our Troy Farm and Badger Rock locations, but we also, at two of our youth education gardens, we grow produce for education, but also for the Goodman Food Pantry. 
we have also managed to raise funds to be able to distribute some of the Troy Farm produce in CSA boxes at no cost to distribute them throughout community centers and neighborhood centers in Madison. Uh, Badger Rock Neighborhood Center is a pickup place for that. And we really try to make our produce accessible. We accept SNAP and EBT at our farm stands and markets as well. And so we kind of, we have the charity model of food donation. We have a low cost model at the Badger Rock Market. We have subsidized CSA boxes. Really though, the charity model is hopefully something that is a short-term solution as we work towards supporting food sovereignty in general in our communities, which is community control of food systems. Paul Huber is the farm director at Troy Farm, located on Madison's north side. After struggling with land access as an independent farmer, he saw an opportunity working with Rooted's community agriculture projects. Yeah, so my name's Paul Huber, and I'm the farm director at Rooted and Troy Farm. This is my fourth season, and my role is managing specifically the Troy Farm location, which is one program of many programs at Rooted. And so that involves like overseeing and working a little bit with production and marketing and the education program, community outreach, all the different things. And as far as how I got here, been working in organic agriculture since about 2006. So been a while. And that was either, you know, like being a volunteer on farms or a intern and then managing. And then my wife and I actually ran our own vegetable farm for six years, first in the Fox Valley area and then the Milwaukee area. After we met some pretty serious challenges on our farm, including losing access to land we were renting, we um, this, job, this position became available right at that time. And it was perfect timing uh, for us to be able to transition into a new phase. And so we moved to Madison in 2019. And yeah, it's been been wonderful ever since. Would you be able to talk a little bit about, because you were saying that you had your own little urban farm in Milwaukee, and one of those barriers that you faced was losing your land. Just a quick thing about what it was like being just a self-farmer, not through a program such as Rooted, and how that is kind of different for you as far as barriers and that kind of thing? Yeah, barriers, right. So my wife and I always farmed in more in a rural perspective and we were renters, but yeah, you know, not coming from any family land and not having any tools or equipment. I mean, it was really like, we really started with a bare field and nothing else. So I would say, you know, for, from that per- particular perspective, just finding land and land that was good good for growing and then the infrastructure so like things like electricity and water and you know maybe some kind of shelter or buildings and then just having having that money to be able to buy the necessary tools and starting to get your name out there and really get people to know you and build those connections and you know we started in the fox valley because my wife grew up in that area. So we had friends and family that helped us get that going. But yeah, at a, at a certain point on that in the Fox Valley, we just couldn't find land that had enough infrastructure on it. And we were really struggling just to to function with, with very little infrastructure. 
Um, and we didn't really have enough money to buy land and like put up all that infrastructure. So we found another rental situation in the Milwaukee area that, that had all those things and equipment and buildings, you know, water, electricity. So we made the move and it seemed like a good spot for us. And we had got a good relationship with the landowners and we're talking about a long-term land lease and maybe someday buying land. And then <clears throat> that couple got divorced. Uh, we had to leave and we really didn't find anything that was a good situation after that. And, you know, I think just the stress of, of all of it, of running the business, but also these kind of precarious situations was like really hard. Our health was deteriorating. So uh, we really needed to make a change at that point. And then in the urban farming context, there's definitely more challenges in terms of land access and infrastructure um, challenges. You know, there's, I would say more, more in the urban context for sure. And that you know, maybe the one benefit you get in the urban context is just proximity, closeness to people and communities and, you know, markets and that kind of thing. But everything else is more challenging, I would say, you know, because especially in terms of finding land that's suitable for growing, that's safe for growing. Um, and just, you know, amount of amount of land and whether you can own it or what, what kind of things you can do on that land, you know, the restrictions placed on it by the city or by the landowner or that kind of thing. Addressing land access challenges is another important piece of Rooted's work. Here's Sarah Carlson again. So another place that we approach our work is through land access. So providing land so that people can grow their own produce with the support that they need. Some people don't need support. Some people teach us and teach each other how to grow food on our land. So Troy Farm shares some of the land up there with different individuals through the community garden. We have the Gardens Network is a piece of our organization that manages community gardens all over Madison, including the community garden at Troy Farm and including the community garden at Badger Rock. And these are, this is garden space that we really try to prioritize offering to community members who have issues of land access. So these are spaces for people to grow their own. And community gardens are a really unique space. I feel like it, at Badger Rock, we have so many people lifting up so many different food ways and cultural food traditions and growing traditions in our community gardens that not only... Is it a place for people to grow their own culturally appropriate food, but also to share with each other and learn and build community around that food and around the different ways that people grow and prepare food? Land access for farming can be a particular challenge in urban areas, where strict zoning laws set limits on what kinds of activities can occur in a given space. The land that Troy Farm is on is held in a community land trust. Yeah, so... The Troy land was going to be developed and the community came together and really pushed back and fought against that development and were able to put the land into land trusts. And actually at the time that was Community Groundworks and the Center for Resilient Cities, which was the other organization in the merger to become rooted, they held 
the trust for the land on Troy. So that was already a connection that we had as organizations. So the Troy land is in land trust. And so that land is held so that it can't be developed. And it is and will remain community space. So Troy Farm is um, is located on a 26-acre property on the north side of Madison. Property is owned by the Madison Area Community Land Trust. So Rooted is actually a renter and rents, rents and manages the whole 26 acres. There is a conservation easement on the property, so there are actually certain rules about how it's managed. It, it has to be managed organically. We cannot use any pesticides, synthetic pesticides or fertilizers. It's also just the different parts of the land are designated differently. So the farm is always you know, designated as farm use. There's a prairie area that's designated as prairie, you know, to stay in prairie and community gardens areas uh, near the south side of the land near the Troy Road itself. So we have a really big, it's really cool, like diversity of stuff going on. And there's also just, you know, a lot of nice walking trails and spaces for people to be. Uh, A lot of fruit trees. Um, We have kind of a food forest area and some volunteer mulberry trees all over the place. So yeah, so it's it's a wonderful space. In the context of the north side, we are a couple blocks north of Lake Mendota and very close to Mendota Mental Health Institute. You know, the north side community is, it's an amazing community. It's uh, absolutely gorgeous. There's tons of green space, park space, you know, wonderful businesses, wonderful, just a wonderful community of people. And it's one of the most, it is the most or one of the most diverse parts of Madison. And unfortunately also, you know, one of the poorest uh, part of Madison. And it's, you know, technically the city of Madison has um, a food access improvement map that kind of highlights where there's areas of food access challenges. And we're smack dab in the middle of that. Could you talk a little bit about how Troy Farms work contributes to environmental justice for the Northside community as well as just for Madison in general? Mm-hmm. I thought about that question a lot. I think it's a big question. I would say probably the most important thing is that there is this giant 26-acre property in the middle of, like I say, a more economically challenged area, like with, you know, some other kind of environmentally challenging things. We've got the airport nearby where there's been some groundwater pollution issues with PFAS and just pretty intense noise pollution at times. Troy Farm is really a space where people be in a a wonderful green space that has a real diversity of plants and animals and activities going on. So people can get involved in, we have Thursday night community meals, a lot of educational opportunities that are open to the public, school groups coming through that get to do like some cool, you know, cooking and planting and harvesting activities and Troy Farm being a place where people can 
volunteer, work, learn from. We've got a couple other organizations that we cooperate with on the land. So the fact that we're focused on organic production means we're trying to really not only preserve, but improve potentially the the land that we're on and always be a place that people can grow safe food and have it be just a healthy healing place for people to be. Much like Ruthanna and Urban Triage, the Rooted staff members also view youth education as a crucial part of their work. In our work, we have a variety of different youth education programs. We have a kids' garden uh, that's located at the Troy Farm location that is a field trip site for lots of the community centers up there primarily. So uh, youth from those neighborhood centers take regular field trips to the kids' garden to do gardening and cooking and art and culture, basically garden-based education at Troy. And so that's one of our garden education sites. We also have a site at the Goodman Youth Farm on the east side. And that site is another field trip style garden-based education site for the Madison School District. They also partner with some neighborhood centers and they have a regular partnership with the Goodman Community Center through their Garden Fit program, which is a program that specifically works with middle school age youth. And they come out regularly to both the Goodman Youth Farm and the Kids Garden to do uh, garden-based education. Badger Rock is another space where we do youth education. Here we have a strong partnership with Badger Rock Middle School, which is a public charter school on site. It's a small school, 100 students, but its focus is on urban agriculture, sustainability, and social justice. In our farm team, we lead a daily garden class for the school, and we also collaborate with core class teachers to get food justice and food sovereignty concepts into the classrooms and to get students out of the classrooms and into the gardens and the kitchen with us as part of their learning, whether it's growing or preparing or You know, you can connect almost anything, any kind of learning to a garden. There's social emotional development. Um, Any concept in science is very easy to connect to the garden. Math, social studies, there are so many connections possible. So we work closely with Badger Rock Middle School. We also work with other community groups and we offer our own youth programming in the summer. Uh, So this summer we are offering a Rooted in Culture program to middle schoolers. And we are bringing in lots of guest chefs, lifting up different food traditions and connecting it to the garden. So what we grow is based on what our community would like us to offer at our farm stand. Also what our students would like us to grow. And what our students choose is often connected to their own cultural food traditions. So we try to bring in guests from the community to represent as many of our different students that we work with as possible, you know, so our youth can see themselves represented in the programming that we offer too. Offering culturally relevant produce for our community and culturally relevant programming is super important in the work that we do as well. And I would say too, it's really amazing seeing just the informal relationships and information sharing and story sharing that happens in these spaces intergenerationally. Most of our growing locations are a combination of community garden, educational gardens, and production gardens. And seeing the trainees and the youth and the elders and the 
families and people just coming out and building community together organically in the space that happens independently of our programs. I feel like that is the beauty of the spaces that we have, is they are natural spaces for people to build connections and share and learn from one another. That was Ruthanna Hutton Obleke, Sarah Carlson, and Paul Huber. Ruthanna Hutton Obleke is the Agriculture Program Lead at Urban Triage. Sarah Carlson is the Farm and Education Program Manager at Rooted, where she manages the two-acre Badger Rock Urban Farm and Badger Rock Community Garden. Paul Huber is the Farm Director at Troy Farm. You've been listening to the podcast series Ground Truths, Stories from Wisconsin's Front Lines of Environmental Action. This series is produced by EdgeFX, a digital magazine out of the Center for Culture, History, and Environment in the Nelson Institute for Environmental Studies at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. The series is funded in part by a grant from Wisconsin Humanities with funds from the National Endowment for the Humanities. Any views, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this project do not necessarily represent those of the National Endowment for the Humanities. This episode was produced by Claire Sullivan, Carly Gittrich, and me, Ben Uliano. The music you're hearing is by Wolfman Summit. You can get all of our episodes sent straight to your computer or mobile device by subscribing to EdgeFX wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please leave us a rating and a review, or tell a friend about it. That really helps connect us with new listeners. You can follow us on Twitter at EdgeFXMag. And as always, keep up with the steady flow of great content about cultural and environmental change across the full sweep of human history at edgeffects.net.